to most football followers, Mike Fitzpatrick has been the sombre face of the AFL Commission for the past 10 years. To those of us whose memories go back 40 years, we remember the young Fitzpatrick as a driving force in Carlton's three premierships in the late 70s and early 80s. Along the way, he studied at Oxford University on a Rhodes Scholarship, started what has become a billion-dollar investment business and headed both the AFL and the Australian Sports Commission. Welcome, Mike. You've wasted neither your time nor your talent. Thanks very much, Michael. It's an honour to be here. An honour? An honour. Wow. <laughs> we'll get to the meatier subject shortly. But why were you so earnest in your role as the Commission Chairman? I remember thinking at home, watching you one night at the Brownlow function, and I thought, there's a bit of Vladimir Putin about you. The dark <laughs> suit, the white shirt, the tie and the, and the earnest look. Uh, I don't think it was deliberately so, but I think you've got a... Um, chairmanship of the AFL is, a, uh, is an important position. Um, I think particularly initially when I, had, uh, when I had Andrew there, I think we needed a contrast. Yeah. <laughs> so he's the funny man. I was the straight man. Yeah. But, but you, is that... Is, is the, the Fitzpatrick we see publicly, is that you or are you different in private? In many of the cases in presenting things for the AFL, you're presenting something that's pretty much a set piece where uh, the Commission's made a decision and, and you've got to be very clear about what the decision is. And there's not a huge amount of room for humour in all that. <laughs> uh, so uh, I think away from the, from the televised side of it and the public eye side of it, there's plenty of room for, for humour and enjoyment. Um, so I've heard. But... Uh, but in, in terms of those sort of uh, the formal presentations, well, that, that's what they are. There's a role to be played. You're playing the role. You're only recently retired. Are you missing it? Uh, you always miss it. You know, I, I am missing it a bit. I think you just miss the passion that people have for it. Uh, not, not just the players, but the, the presidents and the, the chief executives, everybody involved in the AFL, they're there because they love it. And uh, you miss that. In, in general business, you don't have that. Let's talk about the footy first. I know that's your preference anyway. Three premierships, two as captain. Mm -hmm. You had a great run, didn't you? You came to Carlton in 75 uh, and you couldn't have made a better choice. No, it was a great choice for me. I, I really uh, enjoyed the company of those players. Uh, they were a very confident uh, group. Um, when I got there in 75, I, I immediately struck up a good friendship with Perce Jones. And, um, you're an odd couple, you two. Yeah, we are an odd couple, mm. but we're good mates. And, um, and it was just a terrific side. And I, l I learned a lot from the older players and uh, the young players that came in, particularly in 81, 82. Um, the young players that came through were just uh, added that bit of zest to, the, to what was already a pretty good team. There you and Parco are holding up one of the, uh, the most uh, cherished prizes in sport in Australia. Uh, I think that's the 81. 81. You were pretty good in 81. Had a good game in 81. Yeah. I was probably in the ruck, fortunate yeah. that uh, Peter Moore had a hamstring and so started at, uh, at full forward and didn't, didn't get in the midfield much during the day, only late in the game. So that was helpful because mm. a terrific player and would have, you know, fit would have been a challenge. In 82 you played centre-half forward? Yeah, most of the game was centre-half forward. Mm -hmm. Kick two. Yes, I'll get to that. <laughs> I remember you saying once that uh, I said to you, you should have won of Norm Smith. And you said, no, I should have won two Norm Smith. <laughs> well, I was only joking. No, you weren't. <laughs> One of the bravest decisions from any player that I've been involved with in my time covering football was your decision after one year at Carlton 
at 23 years of age to take up the Rhodes Scholarship and go to England. Was there ever a, a battle in your mind about whether you should do that or not? Uh, there was a battle, but that battle was more about um, applying for it in the first place. Uh, I was getting towards the end of a, an engineering degree and I was under a bit of pressure to put the application in uh, for a variety of reasons. And, um, and I could see um, that if I got it, it was probably um, I wouldn't get to play VFL. Um, so it was quite a hard choice, but I decided to do it. But then when I got it, I could just see the whole Victorian experience um, falling away. But fortunately, Carlton were prepared to. And actually, to be fair, um, Richmond and North at the same time were prepared to essentially just take me on for a year. Um, and Carlton were prepared to actually give me some assurance beyond that. Um, so I, I sort of preferred the Carlton offer anyway. And I pre preferred Carlton as a, as a group uh, and with my father's sort of blessing, that, that was the decision we made. And um, it was a good decision. So you arrived in Melbourne at 22. You'd played nearly 100 games with Subiaco. Yep. Here at 22, decided to go to England at 23, and it virtually cost you three years of your career, correct? It, it did. It, it cost me sort of two years. Um, I, um, Carlton knew that at the end of 75, October 75, I'd go to Oxford. Um, they started ringing up about March. <laughs> see if I'd come back because the, the academic year finished in June, uh, mid-June. So I did come back in mid-June. And actually it was quite an interesting experience because I was pretty fit. I'd been rowing, been running around obviously in the, the English summer. And in general the, the Carlton players were sort of in that mid-season slump where they were tired, grounds were wet, uh, weather, was, weather was unpleasant. Um, and so <clears throat> I actually came back and I was able to play pretty well for, uh, for eight or nine weeks, but got to the finals and, and sort of I started to run out of gas as they were, <laughs> as they were coming through. So we ended up losing by, by a point to North at, at Waverley mm -hmm. in the prelim. Should have, we, it, was a, it was a game we should have won and a, and a flag we should have won. So you missed, was it 77 that you... Missed 77. Yeah, the entire season. Yeah. 78, you played two games. Yep, Explain I, that to me. Came back, having done exams, I wasn't in the same sort of fit, same sort of shape I was in 76. And I'd been out of the game for two years. Uh, so I got a game in the twos, I could think out at uh, Windy Hill. Then uh, played two games. Uh, the first one, I think, they put me in the back pocket, uh, which you was, not my, was not my natural <laughs> uh, position. Um, and then the next week we played Collingwood, which was a big game. And I misjudged my uh, my travel to the ground. I ended up being five minutes late for Jez's uh, for Jez's speech, which was pretty much fatal. <laughs> Not game day. You're talking about during the it's week. Game day. Oh, game day. Game day. Okay. So yeah. I remember when I finally got through the traffic. I, I totally misjudged it because the traffic was, and I was in a borrowed car. I should have left the car. But anyway, I, I ended up in the car park, and Keith McKenzie was out looking for me, and uh, he sort of hurried me in and said, "You know, you." You're in strife here, and um, so Jezza basically said, "You're not here on time. Not interested. You're out." Wow! So I sat on the bench. Came on about half time. I think stats were like 12 kicks in the second half. Didn't do any good. Didn't play again that season. Jeez, he was a tough task, must have. It was Jesse, tough. Yeah. No, he was tough, and it, it was not an unfair decision, to be fair. Mm. And I think I'm not quite sure. I think Lofty tried to sell me over the summer, um, but because of the contract, I tried had. to sell you. Did he? <laughs> True. I think with, with they and North were 
North were interested. So I think what happened, though, was because the, uh, the question was asked, but the way the contract worked, I, I had the option to stay, so I stayed. Were you, were you aware that they were oh, yeah. doing no, things behind the scenes? Yeah. yeah? yeah. They, it was put it to me. Your pride, it, was, wouldn't it? it was put to me. Oh, it, it did, but it, it sort of wound me up a bit too. Did it? Yep. Mm. So 79, 81 and 82 were the flags. Yep. It was an amazing period, wasn't it? I mean, to win three flags in four years. Yep. Jezza leaves after the 79 flag? After 79, yep. Yeah. You need a new... Co he was captain coach of that team that he won was. the flag. Yep. You need a new coach and a new captain. Perce Jones becomes coach and you become the captain in 1980. Correct. Yeah. You were an outstanding team in 80, but fell apart in the finals and Jones lost his job, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm hmm Out in straight sets. Yeah. Was he, was he unfairly treated, Perce? Uh, it's a bit hard to say. I, I think he, uh, he knew footy inside out. Um, he struggled in the end to, to have real authority. Um, and, you know, as, as the year went on, we just started to have... The odd issue with the odd the odd player, you know, drinking on say a Thursday night mm -hmm. or something like that. Here's your mate. He looks six inches taller than you there. Yeah, he's he's on he's on a high chair. <laughs> <laughs> so in comes David Parker as coach. What are your early memories of Parker? Parker was interesting in that he, I, the discipline aspect fell away. I mean, he he was right on top of them. And, uh, and that that was the major change, I think. But also because of the the scientific uh, background he had in phys ed, just the way in which he trained us, the variety, the intensity with which training worked, um, was a bit different to what we'd, we'd had. What we'd had was lots of long one exercise sessions that might go for say two hours uh, with Jezza and with Purse, and uh, <clears throat> we were suddenly getting you know a ten minute exercise here, twenty over there much more variety, but an enormous... The intensity meant that you got very fit pretty quickly. Um, and then there was very much the, the Hawthorne aspect of, of how you play the game and the, the chasing, the tackling, mm -hmm. the, um, the lack of skill. <laughs> <laughs> you love that. Because uh, a lot of the Carlton supporters kept saying, oh, he's de-skilling us, you know, we've got a problem. And, <laughs> but but I, actually, you know... The, the way in which he thought through, not, not just the preparation, but the way in which he thought through other sides was, was impressive. Richard right. Goiter, who yep. replaced you as the AFL Commission Chairman, said of you, Mike's chairmanship will be remembered for his capacity to demand improvement and innovation while protecting the traditions and history of the game. Are you happy with that? Yeah, I think that's probably more than fair. Mm. Yeah, more but than when fair. you took office in 2007, you then said that the Commission hadn't been brave enough. Yep. Now, you obviously not weren't talking about dismantling traditions, but are being a bit more adventurous in the, their planning. Yeah, look, when, when I got in, I thought we didn't really understand the clubs particularly well. Um, and I felt in terms of being the number one sport in Australia, in Australia we're at risk because we, our presence in the north, uh, where half the media spend is, half the population is, you know, we were the third or fourth sport, and, and arguably we still are. Um, but I think we've made some real inroads into that. So my view was we had to 
if we wanted to stay the number one sport in Australia, and and or become the number one sport. No, we were the number one sport. But were if we, we wanted, if we wanted to become clearly and definitely by a long way the number one sport, we had to start investing, and we had to start investing in the north because that's where that's where everything is. And I think, in terms of, I mean, there's a certain amount of criticism about the cost of the expansion of the two clubs in the north. But uh, when you look at the 2.6 billion media rights deal. That's where the money came from. Mm. The money came from the fact we're now basically at, we are the number one national code by street, and uh, not only the AFL but also the clubs can can attract national sponsorship, which is something they struggled to do before that. So the the inclusion of Gold Coast and GWS, you happy with the way that's unfolded? Yeah, I think it's easily already paid for itself. Really? Yeah. In, in the in the broadcast in term, rights. In terms yeah. of broadcast yeah. rights, because we we are clearly the national code. When I ask you about one player, um, Buddy Franklin went to Sydney mm-hmm. from Hawthorne. Correct. You were hell-bent on getting him to GWS, correct? Not hell-bent, but I was keen on that. I thought that would, um, in the same way as, say, having Tony Lockett at the Swans, uh, I felt he could have a similar effect and, and really kick-start GWS. But if he'd wanted to go to... Uh, another Victorian club or whatever, that wouldn't have particularly worried me. But Sydney was Sydney's probably the most important franchise in the country. Sure, in my I agree. view. No, I agree. So why were you so angry when the Swans cleverly uh, negotiated the situation where he went to Sydney? I was unhappy only in that I had been probably the last defender of Collar, and so I felt that's the cost of living allowance. Cost of living allowance that the Swans had. That the Swans had. And I was reliably told for many years that this was simply to look after the journeymen and the, and the young players. Uh, but, you know, it increasingly became obvious with, with both the, the, uh, the Tippett acquisition and, and then Buddy that uh, that wasn't the case. And, and I was very disappointed in that. So... Um, so you're saying the Swans manipulated the Cola Agreement? I'm not saying anything. Well, like, well that's you're, say, I, you're saying that. Well, that's what I've interpreted you saying. Um, Whatever they they ended up with the be, the most the best two players in two years in a row that were on the market, um, and so uh, so I felt I had to have a discussion with them. Were you embarrassed <laughs> when you realised that uh, you hadn't no. got your way? No, you no, weren't. No, I mean you're disappointed, but you're not embarrassed. Why then did you have such an animated conversation with Swans chairman Richard Collis? I think you should. You should every now and then put a marker down. A marker. Did you did you call him <laughs> the word that is the we regard as the most offensive in the vernacular? I don't think so. But R- he seems Richard to have said, he seems to have a he seems to have taped it. So we should be able to play that. Yeah. Which which if in fact that happened, mm-hmm. that would indicate that you were more than disappointed. That you were angered. Oh yeah, I was angry. I, I, yeah, that's fair to say I was angry. Yeah, I'm not. It was a. Uh, but it was also it was a discussion that um, it wasn't done just off the top of my head. What the conversation? Yeah, I was I was going to tell him, and I thought about it, and I thought about what I'd say. But I, again, I, you, you haven't convinced me as to why you were so disappointed that one of the northern markets was going to be further. No, no, I was comfortable about that. I, I was comfortable about the fact that he was at the Swans was not a bad thing as far as the overall. Uh, 
game goes. It just meant that the GWS uh, would take longer. That's all. So the strategy was right? You got no the strategy doubt. was right. OK. I, I don't think we executed perfectly, but not bad. No, that's well, it's a, they're complex yeah. issues. Talking about complex issues, what about the Essendon supplement saga? Easy looking back, no. would you have done anything differently? Uh, fundamentally not, I don't think. It was, you know, it was a disappointing part of, uh, of footy. Shouldn't have happened. Uh, duty of care, you know, player welfare, just, you know, something happened at Essendon that, uh, that shouldn't have happened. Talking about duty of care and player welfare, were you blokes uh, involved as much as you should have been? You as in the AFL? Very hard. I mean, we, we essentially found out about it pretty much when everybody else did, which was well after that season, uh, 2-12, I think. Um, and um, so we spent a lot of time finding out very quickly what had happened. And, uh, you know, it, it just it wasn't a pretty sight. So I would have thought, um, and I think initially the, the club basically was, was very cooperative, and, uh, but that changed and uh, I think it became uh, an unfortunate, uh, an unfortunate uh, battle, basically. Can you explain to me what Essendon was guilty of? Well, I think when you provide, I can't remember how many, but thousands of injections. Um, thousands? Well, apparently. Um, when you go through all the injections that were put through with substances which apparently they didn't, weren't too sure what they were. And are you? Um, this stage, I, again, I've been out of it for 12 months. But, but you were in it when this, when this was playing out? The, there was certainly... Uh, yeah. They either didn't know what was in it or if they did know, they weren't going to say. Uh, there was circumstantial evidence as to what it was. What was so your from belief? our point of view... Oh, my, my point of view was it was almost certainly um, performance-enhancing. Uh, really? But um, even if it wasn't, and, and the penalty in the end that the AFL... Uh, put on Essendon was that uh, to do with duty of care and general the general uh, the behaviour towards the players. You were almost certain that the substances were performance enhancing. Yeah, you couldn't be totally certain. No, you couldn't be totally certain. Talking to one of the opposition players about it, I said, "Well, what did you think?" And he said, "We thought they'd done five pre-seasons in one." <laughs> and I think that. Kind of. Somewhere. Well, let me. All right. If let's let's accept that. Why then did you not get involved when the West Coast also looked like they're done? I thought, you'd, I thought you'd get to that. <laughs> <laughs> this is but, your this is your obsession, Michael. Well, well, and rightly so. I think if we can, if I could name you six or eight West Coast players uh, from ten years ago mm -hmm. who did have and now have drug problems, yeah, that's pretty compelling evidence. Sure. Evidence of what? Well, of a drug problem. Well, a performance-enhancing drug problem or an illicit drug problem? Well, because probably the latter. Unfortunately, what, what's happened has been there's been a conflating of the two. And I think the Eagles that year were pretty thoroughly tested for performance-enhancing. And they would have been thoroughly tested for illicit as well. Um, and I don't know what the results of the illicit were because they're kept confidential. Uh, but in terms of performance enhancing, there were no positives. Are they kept confidential from the Commission? Yep. Are they? Yep. 
Well, how do you Im implement your, um, your Because your it's, done, it's done on, a medical, on the medical side. It's not something that... I mean, in the end, we'll find out if, if in the end there's a, a penalty to be applied, uh, it'll, it'll come through. But otherwise it won't. Do you think that the AFL should feel a level of embarrassment about what was happening at West Coast ten years ago? Well, are we supposed to post up an individual... The AFL post up an individual at each club to sort of look at um, what they're doing? No, but you're supposed to police the drug code... Yes. ..and clearly the illicit drug code and maybe the performance-enhancing drug code was breached. Well, the performance-enhancing clearly wasn't. When the Ben Cousins issue broke, what was your feeling then? Well, I think, you know, everybody was just disappointed. Uh, and in the end, it led to him being out of the game for a year. Mm. Um, and the club, we spent a lot of time with the club and essentially put them on notice uh, that unless they changed the way uh, they were dealing with the issue, we'd, we'd, have, to, you know, we'd have to intervene. And fortunately, over 12 months, I think they did clean it up. But it took a long, you know, it took the 12 months uh, and some of the damage had already been done. So you, you knew there was a broader problem than just Ben Cousins? We, we became aware there was, yes. How? Yeah. Just going back in time, Michael. <laughs> Do you want me to go back on the field? <laughs> but let's, let's be clear about Ben. Like, my understanding was Ben started uh, taking drugs when he was 16. This isn't to do with footy. It's not to do with the Eagles. It's to do, it's to do with the culture uh, that he was involved in. Mm -hmm. Got to the Eagles. Now, whether, whether the Eagles were ready, were using or not, you know, had to elicit drugs. What we do know overall is that AFL footballers, relative to their cohort of similar age, use less illicit drugs than that cohort does. So... Whether it's to do with the illicit code or whether it's to do with discipline involved in the club and the need to keep off uh, illicit drugs to perform, um, we think the treatment's been relatively successful. Adam Goods, to me, seems to be lost to the game. Whether it's long-term or temporary, I'm not mm -hmm. sure. But I think it's a reasonable conclusion to draw. Did the Commission... Uh, would, should the Commission feel any degree of culpability for that? Uh, I think these these sort of issues are always difficult. Um, we there was uh, and a, the booing was something that uh, that Adam was enduring was something that ran for a while, but wasn't really obvious until the Eagles game. But certainly not 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 to us. And I know Gill was was dealing with it uh, and was in touch with the Swans to try and work out what it... And I think the Eagles game was the first time it got out of hand. And we had a meeting, on, I think, commission meeting on the Tuesday and put out a, a statement condemning it, which um, I think was deemed not to be strong enough. Mm. And I think um, it was meant to be strong. So somehow we sort of didn't quite get, uh, I think, the commission's view across which was a pity, uh, and it, it seemed to be... It seemed to set up a sort of line we couldn't cross where I think the Swans and Adam were somewhat angry about the whole thing. And uh, I think it'd be a real pity if he's lost to the game because he, uh, you know, he's obviously uh, dual Brownlee medalist, mm. uh, premiership player... Australian uh, of the year. Australian of the year. Yep. And 
I think he's got a lot out of footy, to be frank. Um, and you know, we're, we've obviously worked hard to, and while I'm not sure what's happened the last 12 months, of course, but uh, we worked hard to uh, to try and sort things out. <clears throat> and to be frank, they weren't sorted out when I left. Uh, but I, but I think in time he'll come back. What do you think of the, of the game as it's played in 2018? Uh, look, it's incredibly um, competitive and tough uh, and dense. Um, mm. And good word, dense. It's dense and it's it's difficult to get the ball away. The, the tackling's hard. The, the the modern player is is braver than we were. Without doubt, commitment to the footy is, is just terrific. Um, I think they're more skilled, you know, given time. They're deadly accurate with their, with their feet and with their hands. De- you with can't, their you can't leave that. Well, are you with saying... Their, with that given time, if, if they've got time and space, their skills are much better than ours were. The, probably the only apparent exception would be uh, shooting for goal. And part of that I put down to the fact that by the time they get the ball, they're exhausted. You know, they've run you know, 200 metres to get there. They mark the ball 30 metres out, they're, they're stuffed. Fitzy, gambling's a vexed question in football. We know, and you, sh- and you will know too, lots of players have a gambling problem. Yet the AFL clubs, I think the, certainly the overwhelming majority of them, still have poker machines. What's your view about that? Um, look, at, it's been there for a long time now. Um, we did some seven or eight years ago make a real effort to buy them out. It isn't a good look, is it? Uh, They have a lot of financial advantages in terms of offsetting the volatility, the financial volatility that clubs have, depending on where they are on the ladder. I'm talking about a a moral issue. Exactly. Uh, We're part of the community and it's not a positive aspect of the community. Okay. As good as you were as a player, you'll be sad to know that you're probably best remembered for... um, a decision at Princess Park one day when Carlton were playing Essendon and you were trying to milk the clock and umpire Ian Robinson took the ball off you. 1981? 81. Yeah. You marked it at ten and a half back, a typical yep. Fitzpatrick mark. Playing with a broken hand. Where? Yep. Yeah. So you mark the ball, <laughs> you go back to take your kick. Yep. How long do you reckon you, um, you had the ball for? <clears throat> I think it was well into the th- half a minute or so. It was, it was certainly a long time. So Robinson then should have said, play on, but in fact took the ball off you, didn't he? He did. I was waiting for the play on call. <laughs> oh, and yeah. uh, he just took the ball off me. And uh, my first thought was, I'm going to kick this over the grandstand. <laughs> <laughs> Which would have been another 15 metres mm. in those days. Uh, but he probably would have made it 50. And, and, and he was inventive, Robbo. He was. He was inventive. You didn't seem to be sort of taken aback by uh, the decision to rob you of the... Uh... Oh, I was very, very, very angry about it. Well, you would have been when the Bombers won by one point. That too. Yeah. <laughs> but, but at the time, you know, you're waiting for the call and you, you get a totally different... An invented rule. Yeah. Yeah. Fitz, it's been a life well lived. I know it's not over, but, uh, <laughs> <I hope not. laughs> but uh, your contribution on the field and subsequently in uh, your various roles has made a huge impact on AFL, Australian football, and uh, good luck for whatever's in front. Thanks very much, Michael.